Blog Talk Radio. You heard of the quiet storm. Now be ready for the thunderstorm. It's a show where we can't be quiet. Discussing world affairs from the Christian hip-hop perspective. That's right, the Christian hip-hop perspective. With your host, Christian hip-hop artist and sports blogger, GQ Forever. So turn up your radio. You are now listening to The Thunderstorm. Y'all heard that 63 times. And y'all know when y'all hear that, y'all know definitely is on. It's officially 3-16-18, 8 p.m. EST. I think that got that right time went up an hour on Sunday. <laughs> the storm is on, man. Let's get it. As always, as always, as always, we go to the thunderstorm hotline. We look at the switchboard. I'm looking at the map. I see the UK, South America. I see all kinds of stuff lit up, man. Just fortunate to make. I'm, I'm just fortunate, man. I'm just glad that y'all just tune in all the time to listen to what it is I have to talk about, regardless of the notice I give y'all, regardless of what we got going on. Y'all always show support. Y'all always show love, man. And I love y'all right back. As we go to the phone lines, man. Roll call. I see some 803s, South Carolina 864s, Grable. I see some 843s and some 704s and some 980s. That's our local squad. I see some 702s, which is Vegas. I see some 215s, man. I see some 213s. So God bless every single one of y'all. And the love of my life, 786305. I know where y'all checking in from. That's Dane County right there. And Duval, the only city on the map that's got like 17 hoods. Normally, man, I think I heard a comedian say this, man, but normally when you uh, when you roll out to a city, man, they'll tell you just don't go here. You go to Duval, man, they'll say don't go here, 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 or over here. But I love y'all, man. Thank y'all for tuning in to the store. I like the pages on Facebook, the third store, Hip Hop Sports and Entertainment Network, my page, GQ4EVA. And uh, follow us on Twitter, at GQ Forever. Follow my man, Courtney Harden, who's scheduled to be here in about 30 minutes. Call him. Check him up. Uh, just, just aggravate the dude at, at Get The Real Deal. His show, The Real Deal, airs in Philadelphia every single Saturday morning. I think I heard him do a, uh, I think I heard him do a special broadcast of March Madness, man. The thing was, was amazing. Uh, the brothers from Philly. The stomping ground of so much of my family. The brother is so cool. He's like he's like a big brother. Don't tell him I told y'all this, but when I got ready to do Thunderstorm, I stole a lot of what I did uh, intellectually from what he does, man. So y'all going to be blessed by him, man. But we're going to talk a little Eagles football, and we're going to ask him if LeBron's really going to Philly. If there's any chance of that actually happening for real, make sure you follow the Storm on Twitter, at Storm Radio 66. Follow Storm Sports, at Storm Sports 66. Follow me every single day. At Inside Eagles, I-G-G-L-E-S, 24-hour-a-day coverage of the Philadelphia Eagles, your Super Bowl slash world champions. Thank y'all for everybody that tunes in. My chicks got commas in them, man. That means y'all are going to read what we're talking about. And it humbles me every day, man, that um, 
we can do like a million readers in like two months, man. The fact that like 500,000, I'm looking at the numbers now, 750,000 unique visitors went to Inside the Eagles just to see what we had to say about the Eagles, man. Makes me puff the chest out a little bit. But I stay humble at the same time. Uh, what did I leave out? I'm so far off base right now. What did I leave out? Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Email. Email the show, thunderstormradio66 at gmail.com, thunderstormsports66 at gmail.com. Bookmark us on iTunes. Tune in on Stitcher. Search for Thunderstorm Media there. We're simulcast right now on Blog Talk Radio. Again, thank you for everybody that tuned in. As I open up the mics for my guest host on tonight's proceedings, you're familiar with him, my man DC, and making his debut appearance. His debut appearance on the storm, my man, or like Ludacris would say, making the deep breath. <laughs> my man, dude, what's going on, fellas? What's going, what's going on, on what's GQ? Going on, what's going on? What's going on, fellas? Man, buckle up, man. We got a lot to talk about, man. We only got two hours to do with that two guests, man. So I'm going to go ahead and get right up into it, man. Uh, first up? of all, I need y'all to email the show, man. I go to the mailbox, and it tells me that uh, I got this green slip. And it says that there's a new resident living in my spot because apparently I don't check the mail enough. So um, because I'm a busy man, I travel, I got things going on, got like 600 jobs, they tell me that I can't not check the mail, even though I told them this is a, this is a, this is a byproduct of what it is that I do. I have to travel, I have to go places. And every time I don't check the mail for a week, they think I moved. In spite of the fact I sat there and told him, man, look, look, I'll come tell y'all when I move, stop taking my mail, man. Y'all have taken checks and sent them back to the sender. <laughs> y'all have done all kinds of stuff. This is costing me money. So email the show, man. Is this something y'all experiencing or what's going on, man? But um, the tournament started. We got Michigan State on TV right now. Look like they're struggling with somebody that they should have no business struggling with, but that's part for the course in the tournament. 64 teams. 65, 66, 67, uh, the 80th team that gets left out always seems to complain, man. And I, I, I think you should just go ahead and keep complaining, man. This is my problem, T-Red. This is my problem, D.C. We live in a society now, man, where everybody has to win, everybody has to get a ribbon. Nobody's yeah. allowed to lose. We got to pat everybody on the back. Everybody's got to get a participation trophy. So you got teams who barely make the tournament at 64 you got teams that can't get in the tournament, and they're ranked 80th out of 80 teams, and they're mad because they're not getting in. And it reminded me of my wedding, man. When I was married, seems like that never happened, man. It seemed like that was so long ago, and it seemed like it's such a blip on the radar. But I actually was married yet. <laughs> and my wife oh, had man. to have 10 bridesmaids, man. And the reason she had to oh, have man. 10 bridesmaids was because she didn't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Now, Trill, on, on, the, on the flip side of this, man, this means I got to go get me 10 groomsmen. I don't have 10 groomsmen. I don't even have 10 dudes I really roll with like that. So the first five I rolled with was easy. I got five dudes real easy. It was those last five, man. And then the problem I started noticing was when you get to six, when you get to seven, when you get to eight, when you finally get you 10, number 11 is sitting on the outside, and he's like, dang, man. How did number nine get married? I didn't. <laughs> but number, uh, now I will say this. I will say this. If anybody should have been mad in this tournament, or we, when we speaking and talk to the tournament, it should have been Oklahoma State, man. Um, I don't understand so? how you. 
I sh- it should be Oklahoma State. Oklahoma beat Oklahoma, and they beat Kansas twice, who is at the top of their division. And then you had Oklahoma State who got left out. So when you talk about, you know, those situations like that, I can understand. But with, with these other teams that's, you know, barely making it and you want to get in the tournament, look, we ain't got time for no 15 minutes of fame. Like, this is, this is the real deal. So you got to come with it. That's true. Right up, right up. I'm feeling you on that, man. I'm feeling you on that, man. Because I'm sitting here like, if you was really good in the first place and actually had a shot, there would have been no debate about whether they was going to put you in or not. We can't argue because we're number 80, man, because we want that participation trophy. Is it just me, D.C., or am I tripping? No, I completely agree with you, you know. But it's also my thing is that some of these teams, they're they're basically known for more football and basketball, if you want my opinion on it. Like, Mm-hmm. With the Tar Heels, of course, my team number two. Give them, give them for that idea. We we better known for basketball than football, so I expect us to excel in this tournament more than others. And that's just how I see it. But when you got like Clemson, like like Trey said, Oklahoma, and all that, and no, you you really don't see them. Yeah, they get their little participation thing, and they get their pay on the back, and they're gone. That's it. Now it's time for the big boys to come right. and do what they do. Well, let me ask you this, Trail. This is my this is my thing about it, man. Since you brought up the uh, the second best program in the history of North Carolina basketball, let me ask you this, man. Because you 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 my my friend uh, are a fan of the only program that really matters when it comes to the state of North Carolina or the ACC in general, oh. and that is the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, oh, that being God. said, man, Duke has. <laughs> Duke, despite their record as underachieved, man, is it possible that there's no possible way that Duke or North Carolina can win six in a row and be competitive in this tournament or even pull it out? Um, for me, I feel like, and and it's not just because I'm biased. Of course, you know I'm a I'm a diehard Duke fan. Been that way for a long time. For me, I feel like we can be that team to win it all. But this is the kicker: we got freshmen. So we got to understand we have to play with experience. And, you know what I'm saying, we got to also know that, you know, we got freshmen out there, so they haven't been in this big moment. But we have the talent to do it. Now, when it comes to that other team you talk about in North Carolina, they some garbage, if you ask me. I feel like they don't have the big men to do it, and they just don't have the talent that they normally have. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We don't have the talent. First of all, who do you got besides Grayson <laughs> Allen? That is the only big name that you've got, and he's not out here doing uh, nothing. No, 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 sir. No, sir. No, sir. You uh, forgetting yes, about sir. Robin Bagley, who's the number one player in the nation this year. You're forgetting oh, about yeah. Trayvon Duvall, who was the number two point guard, number three. I think he was the top point guard in the nation this year. And Gary Trent, the top, the number two shooting guard in the nation. So when you talk about talent and you're talking about Duke Blue Devils, I mean, that's all we, that's all we produce. Okay, now, he's, and you're talking like me. And if you want to go to next year, we got that boy from South Carolina, uh, Mr. Zion Williamson, coming down there too. If you must, if, we, if you forgot, most definitely, oh, I'm, fully aware. I'm fully aware. Don't act like we ain't got no big names. Don't don't make me bring out the loop, the Barry, the Pinson. Don't make me go on my bench too, man. Don't don't, don't make me do my starter and my bench. Come on, man. You're not gonna sit here and disrespect my boys. That's what you're not gonna do. About. You're talking about Pinson that can't make an open shot to save his life and Joe Barry who can't get his, his ankles together? Okay, my thing is, but did, did we not beat y'all, though? Did we not beat y'all? 
Well, in a rivalry, man, you know. Now he's silent. In a rivalry, man. Yeah, yeah, man. In a rivalry, if you play long enough, eventually they got to pull one out, man. They got to pull one out at some point. That's how you do fan answer. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. In this case, two out of three. All right, so let's take a, let's take a vote right here not right now, man. Let's take a vote right here right now. North Carolina can North Carolina win six in a row? Yes or no? I say no. No. Honestly, no, because no, we we still need a lot of help in certain areas. No. But I, I am still nah, a top fan. But I got to be honest with you though. I got to be honest with you because I am a Blue Devil. Uh, Several several key members and several loved ones in my family have gone and graced the uh, graced the campus of of Duke University. Uh, but I, I got to say this too, man. As much as my heart wants to tell me otherwise, man, I don't think Duke can win six in a row either, man. What, what's y'all thoughts on that? Well, like I said, it comes with the experience. If they can find a way to play together, and I think what's messing them up is this zone. Duke not used to running those zone defense. We used to man to man. You got your man, I got my man. If he score on me, that's what it is. We ain't used to all this zone, so that right there kind of scares me. But I feel like the youngness gonna catch up with him. If you ask me, the inexperience of being in the tournament and having those bright lights. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, from one point, we go to another man. Um, Empire is coming back on television. I I could care less to be honest with you. A lot, I'm a little bit older than y'all, so y'all may not remember this man. Back in the days, Fox had this show, and that show was New York Undercover. What Fox tried to do before everybody really got onto it was they sat there and said, we're going to take an urban drama, we're going to put it on in prime time, and we're going to cater to the hip-hop crowd. We're going to play hip-hop music. We're going to have hip-hop artists featured as uh, as walk-on appearances. Uh, we basically got two hip-hop cats, Michael DeLorenzo and Malik Yoba, carrying the star roles, uh, two, two ethnic brothers. But um, they tried to experiment with New York Undercover too much, man. They they decided they wanted to bring Tommy in from from Martin. They decided what they wanted to do was they wanted to uh to bring a white cop and have him walking around, and everybody's like, yeah, a white uh, undercover cop in Harlem, yeah, that's gonna work. But uh, <laughs> Fox failed in their first attempt to try to bridge the gap of hip hop and entertainment, and they've been struggling with how to do this ever since. Inner Empire, brothers. I hate Empire. I hate a lot of these hip hop dramas that we're that we're putting mess on television and calling it hip hop, loving hip hop, basketball wise, Empire. I'm tired of this stuff, man. Um I'm I'm tired of the whole if we're gonna make it the racial component, man, I'm tired of the emasculation of the black man. I'm tired of yes. I'm not tired of interracial dating. You love who you love, that's totally up to you. God sees no color. But my issue is when we have shows like Scandal, where we consistently have to have the sister lay down for the white man, when we have to have Michonne lay down for Rick on The Walking Dead, when this stuff keeps happening, man, it's kind of it's kind of bringing like a foul taste in my mouth. I'm tired of the slave shows on TV. I'm tired of a movie coming out every six months reminding you over and over and over again that you were slaves. Uh, how, what's y'all's take on that, man? What's your, what's your opinion on drama? And, and entertainment and where it is today. You want to take that one first? Do you see it? You want me to yeah, I, I'll take this one first. First of all, okay. for me, 
what I have to say about all the dramatic shows and all that, I'm not a fan either. Like, like Trail knows me. I'm not a big person with drama and all that. I'm cool and laid back, and it, it's never been my thing. So when I see that they have my people, you know, acting a fool, doing this, that, and the third, talking ratchet, and just constantly fighting for no reason, it, it's too much for me, and I'm not a big fan of it either. Trail? Um, I'm gonna take it one step further than that, man. I feel like honestly the reason why we keep seeing things like this is because us as you know, not to make it a racial thing, but us as African Americans, we feed into it. The shows that you're talking about, Empire and yes. Love and Hip Hop and all the rest of them. Yeah. yeah. Black people love the shows. They get in top ratings. So the one and then the, the one thing you have to understand about a network like Fox is if it's getting ratings, they're gonna keep it rolling. They don't care what they got to do. They'll bring white, black, Chinese, or whoever else they got to bring just so that they, just so they can get the ratings. So I think mm-hmm. us as you know African Americans and, and as people, if we tired of seeing that as a whole, not just this collective group, we have to stand up and say, okay, don't put us, don't portray us like this, because if if you don't say anything, it's gonna keep happening because it's bringing in money. Yeah. With me, it kind of it kind of soured me as a fan, man. I'm a I'm a diehard fan of Taraji P Henson. I'm a diehard fan oh, of my man on Empire that played in Hustle and Flow. What's his name? Terrence Howard. Yeah, yeah, I like Terrence Howard, man. I like Taraji P Henson, man. But um, the slave ethics has kind of worn on me a little bit. Um, my uncle used to tell me propaganda is best disguised when you keep trying to put it on a TV show and make it entertainment, man. They keep calling it entertainment, man. But um. This is a this is a community. This is this is a serious a more serious issue than we make light of, man. Because to sit here and continue to keep taking our sisters, giving them to these white men, is sending a subliminal message that they can treat them better than we can. Because when we're depicted in the same type of role, when that, have you ever noticed whenever there's a romantic moment between interracial couples, whether it be on movies or television, when it's the white man interested in the black woman, that's actually love. Even if he's the slave master, he's the nice slave master. <laughs> when it comes down to us, it's it's Mandingo. It's all white women can't really find you attractive or really like you for real. They used to hang us for that, man. Uh, this dude cut his eyes with this white woman. There was no theory or no thought that maybe she might have been attracted to him too. We got hung for that, man. And to sit here and continue to say that the white man genuinely loves our black women, but the white women aren't interested in us, they're just interested in those private parts. I find that to be I find that to be very offensive, man. So that's my take on that. Y'all 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 free, feel free to kick in something if y'all need. Oh, okay. See, well, I'm sorry, Go but I got to get in on that part. And I I agree with you on that too, GQ. It's just that, like, like you said, every time when it comes to the black man with a black female, we're just no good. We're known as the cheaters to them or whatever. And like you said, to the white women, we're just a sex, sexual object. And and it's just like all black men are not the same. I don't like when they put us all in the same category. Just because you had experience with this particular person or five others doesn't mean that one is just like them. You have to pick and choose and who you kick it with or who you be around. And that's just how I feel about it. Sir? The reason why it'll never change is because you learn these things as you grow. The, the way you're raised has a lot to, a part to play in these kind of stereotypes. 
because if you understand when you when you're just born and you just you know you may be a toddler or you know what I'm saying you may you know your parents they create those okay this is what's acceptable this is what's not acceptable so you I feel like the way you're raised has a big part to play in how you grow through life and how you grow into grow into your adulthood so we have to understand us as, you know, black African-Americans and as people like that, if we don't want these type of narratives to be placed on us, then the way that you change them is by opening your kids' eyes to, okay, it doesn't matter about skin color, race, mm-hmm. what you know, mm-hmm. physical features. You just love a person for who they are and what they can, you know, then that's all that matters. A lot of times, like I said, right. it, it just goes back to the way that you're raised. But also, I do have this to say. Sometimes, and some some black men may be mad at me for what I'm about to say. It's also oh, some of our fault too. At the end of the day, because I be seeing a lot of black men put down our black women. So when you have them talking about, oh, I don't want to date her because she's ghetto, or she ain't got real hair, this, then the third. Of course, you know it's gonna make them feel some type of way, and of course they're gonna go to another race or whatever to make them feel beautiful because I feel like some black men are not doing that with our black women. Hey, I feel you on that, man. I definitely feel you on that. Good stuff, man. We're off and running. If you tune in late, we got two guests on song with me tonight, man. And now, uh, based on what we're seeing from y'all guys, y'all want to hear these guys more often, man. So y'all ride with me for the duration of the show, right? You know it. Okay. Yeah, man. We here. Trail, welcome to the broadcast, man. Um, based on what I'm hearing, man, they like you already, man. They might, you might, you might have to be, uh, you might have to get kicked in this thing from time to time, man. If you got the time. Oh man, of course, of course. All right, man. We go to the uh, thunderstorm. Oh, we got a request for some mini yo. I'm playing that and the mini yo. Out of nothing, listen to the thunderstorm. Keep it locked. It's amazing, the most beautiful pieces of art come from the ugliest situations So I praise and rejoicing in my suffering Cause I know he's got a masterpiece in the making And I ain't scared of death nor Satan Cause I know his hand that my name is engraved in This right here is a proper statement I am not the artist, I'm the canvas that he's painting Like I remember last year being homeless Sleeping on an air mattress, put on the phone with Three record labels, who to go with I know that you like to fix things with them tools that are broken So when them dark nights of the soul I know enough to know to trust you with what I've done All right. Bad days, I Too much for me to remember Let me back up yeah. Yeah. Now I Something out of nothing, nothing. You made something out of nothing, nothing. Yeah. Sitting 
back meditating on creation Thinking how you made everything out of nothing With a statement, you sustain it Let there be, and there is My brain can't contain this It's why the fame and the claim is so dangerous It'll make a hard thing that my name is the greatest So Josh, Rich, Ray, Alex, Dave Call me the repentance if I ever go astray If that money ever get in the way Then I burn it, the price for my soul is something I couldn't pay Sometimes I read them articles, believe in what they say Sweating my own press, got just so unimpressed Nah, I'm a mess, made out of dust To return to it upon death, my soul rest And yet, they making meals out the ones who've been rescued Who cares if they remember my name if I forget All right. Bad days, I He knows something, X man, he loves, he's next to zero He leans on nothing and nothing I want More than a head old trumpet No nothing, I want more than a head old trumpet My earlobes jump and I feel so lovesick A lot of us got ideas but still no substance And a lot of times I can see it but the mirror don't love tricks Bad days, I suppose Too much for me to remember Let me back up, too slow down the thunderstorm, but I do that for my sister right here. By request, this is Sierra microphone. What's going on, girl, with your fire self?
You got some Minio, you got some Sierra, you're back on the storm, man. Welcome back, welcome back. Um, before uh, we bring Courtney Harden onto the lines here, man, um, got a couple of emails here. Uh, let me see how we're going to attack this, man. Let me, let me put it like this, man. I, I spent a lot of time at the crib, and I watch a lot of Revolt TV puppies thing. So I was watching um, recently. Lauren Hill was on the broadcast, man. And um, I'm just going to be honest about it, man. I, 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 got, I took some heat, fellas, because I took the Twitter, and I made some comments about Lauren's voice or lack thereof. Much like the beehive or anything else, man, you, you, you might imagine that that comment was met with some resistance. But this is what I got to say about some Lauren Hill, man. Nobody loves Lauren Hill more than me, man. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. When I was coming up in hip-hop, man, um, shout-out to my girl Esther Osayas, her little brother Ezra Osayas, shout-out to Gabby, shout-out to Belinda. You know Belinda because she was one of them Charlotte girls walking in the Blase Blase video. (laughs) Esther, I love you to death. Esther's the one that introduced me to the Fugees in the first place. The Booger Basement is now at 622 Bloomfield, New Jersey. I know the phone number. It's 973-680-8000. I know everything about the Fuji Studio. I also remember when it wasn't in Bloomfield. I remember when it was in Orange, New Jersey, and it was actually a house, and you had to go down the stairs to the basement, which honestly, fellas, was about the size of a bathroom. And it's like 19 people standing down in this bathroom recording the score. Lauren Hill... Don't nobody love Lauren Hill more than me, man. But the truth and the fact of the matter is this. Lauren Hill has not put out new music for a reason. It's because it's not going to be good. <laughs> Her voice <laughs> is gone. <laughs> now, y'all can get mad at me all you want to, Storm Chasers. I'm just being honest with y'all. I was never put here to do anything except be honest. That's all I'm capable of being. I can't be phony with you. Lauren I love Lauren Hill to death. Nobody loves Lauren Hill to me. That voice is gone. I can't stand when she does killing me softly now. What y'all thought on that, man? <laughs> Don't you tell me Lauren Hill to play. Um, Trey, you want to go first take on this? <laughs> yeah, let me, let me go first. Let me go first, okay? I've heard some of her recent performances, and I must say, the voice done lost a little power. Now... What I'm going to say is, you know, it's probably because, you know, she had, I heard she had some babies. So, you know, she probably was in yeah, her mother. Yeah, about nine of them. About nine of them. That's why I said some. Um, you know, she was probably performing her motherly duties and just let the voice slip. But it's okay. Okay. I feel like she, I feel like she can come back. But as of right now, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, it needs a little work. You know, a little water and some hot tea. I feel like she'll be all right. DC, where you at on that, man? I say the same thing, man. Just, you know, practice makes perfect. You know, we know the old one. We we know you can still blow. We know this, but we just need you to work on the voice just a little bit more. And that's it. That's it. Yo, I heard some things about Lauren that was very concerning, man. Like, I, um, if you actually if you actually go to her Wikipedia page, man, if you remember anything about Lauren Hill or you remember any part of her existence, man, Wikipedia covered just about everything, man. But I remember – her just leaving sets in the middle of this concert. I remember her not showing up for concerts and not giving nobody refunds. I remember her saying, I'm not doing nothing with the Fuji's unless I'm known as the Empress, Empress Lauren Hill, <laughs> so on and so forth. I yeah. remember her losing her mind on a couple of occasions and stuff. We praying for you, Lauren. We love you to death. And nobody's a bigger Lauren Hill fan than me, man. But there's been 
a lack of music for a reason, and I'm telling you it's because somebody's heard some of it and they don't want to put that stuff out. <laughs> That's just me being honest. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to talk about Lauren because I got she got some classics that I absolutely love, so I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna talk about Lauren like that. Like I said, get her some you know some hot tea, maybe some herbals or something, and she'll be fine. Work. All right. That's we are gonna leave it at that, man. We are gonna leave it at that. But Twitter's mad at me. Twitter's mad at me. Without further ado, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, this is my big brother. This is my my ace. This is my dude. This is a dude that I wish I talked to more. We say this all the time, man. And then we don't have time to call each other, man. It took some doing to get him here tonight, but because it was me, he sat there and graciously accepted the offer and said he would come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome by way of Philadelphia PA, home of the world champion Super Bowl, Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome to the broadcast, the host of The Real Deal, Courtney Harden. Get this man a fan ovation. What's up, Courtney? What's up, man? How you doing? It's been a long time. Glad to be on the show. What's going on? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in with us, man. First things first. The vibe in Philadelphia. I know it's crazy. I don't know what you've been doing for the last month or so, but I know what you was doing on February fourth. You were watching the Philadelphia Eagles win the first Super Bowl in their existence, man. What went through your body when you saw that? Oh man, it was crazy. It was the the, the experience just watching it, being here. I watched it home, me and my wife, we watched it here at the crib. Uh we was just on the edge of our seats, man. I mean, I was confident, but you just never you just don't know when you're playing against Tom Brady, you're playing against the Patriots, you just didn't know okay, what to expect. I knew that the Eagles were gonna move the football. They were gonna move it up and down on that defense. But then Tom Brady did the same thing, so I'm like, okay, it's gonna gonna have what's gonna happen is who's gonna make the first mistake? Who's gonna uh, end up uh, an interception? Somebody's gotta make a big play. The Eagles kept making play after play after play. Patriots come back, make play after play after play. But after that first drive, and we went right down the field and scored, I kind of knew like, okay, this is this is gonna be a game. We we confident. We're con- Nick Foles is confident. Doug Peterson's confident. He's calling great plays. Let's let's go. So they kept they kept going. Well, like we did saw last season with the Patriots, uh, they were down twenty eight to three and came back. Uh, even though the Eagles' defense is much better than the Atlanta Falcons' uh, defense was, but man, it was it was crazy. I, I was enjoying it. I enjoyed it afterwards. I, you know, when we were watching it, heard the fireworks. Heard uh, people celebrating, honking the horn, screaming. I went out there, got hugs from strangers, uh, you know, and even went to Models, <laughs> our sporting goods store. Right after the Super Bowl, people were there getting their uh, Super Bowl T-shirts. I got one of those. So, yeah, the buzz was crazy, man. It was so nuts and bananas, and I, I, uh, it was just great to be a part of it. Man, if you'd have told me before the game we could have seen into the future, and we could have predicted that Tom Brady would have thrown 500 yards, four touchdowns. I would have said this. I, I, I would have said I'm not tuning in, man. It happened. They won it anyway. And uh, I, I've been looking around, man. This is championship DVD that NFL Films released. Some kind of way Eagles Nations has depleted the entire world supply of these DVDs, man. You can't find them anywhere. <laughs> I'm trying to nope. get mine. Do you, do you have a hookup? Where can I get this thing? 
Man, I try to get it too. I mean, my, my man told me at work, he, you know, a big uh, Eagles fan too, and he was like, oh, the DVD's out. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to go Best Buy and try to get it and try to find it. Nope, sold out. First day, it was out. So, I mean, we probably got to wait till the next shipment comes, as they said, in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely find. I'll let you know once uh, once they come out on, you know, you can order it online or whatever. But, I mean, everywhere, Target, Walmart, wherever, you, can, you can't find it nowhere. You can't even find it on NFL um, Network e- either. So, um, or NFL wow. websites. So, it's, 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 it's all gone. But, yeah, the, the, the city is really buzzing. I have a question for you, sir, about the All right. Um, before we before I ask my question, I just got a text from one of my best friends, Ronald. He told me to let y'all know that Pittsburgh is still the best team in Pennsylvania, which I don't know how true that is, but we're gonna move on. But um so this is my question to you, man. Alright, when you watched you know, in the closing seconds, we done seen Tom Brady come through with so many clutch performances. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when that ball went up in the air and you just had to watch it glide through there? And, you know, if y'all could have knocked it down, y'all was going to be the Super Bowl champions. What was the feeling going through your body then? I, man, it was nervous. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, I was I was so, like, I tell you, on the edge of my seat. I thought somebody, I thought somebody from the Patriots was going to catch it. I really did. I'm like, this can't be happening. It, it, it's just, you know, it's Tom Brady. So, you know, he makes these type of plays and, and when that ball went up in the air, I'm like, okay, somebody's going to try it. Somebody's going to catch it. I'm saying, knock it down, knock it down. And it tipped up a couple of times, and then it just fell to the ground. So then I was like, okay, we are the Super Bowl champions. And like I said, it was, it was like an out-of-body experience. I, I'm sitting there kind of like in shock. Like, you know, I'm celebrating inside, but I'm, I'm in shock. Thinking, I can't believe we finally got this Super Bowl. I mean, I've been watching – that I've been a Philadelphia Eagles fan for for the past 30 years, and to finally witness this was unbelievable. So yeah, when that when Tom Brady threw that pass and he threw it up in the air like that, I I couldn't. I was just I'm in total shock. Well, well. All right, and I have a question for you there? too. Yeah, I'm here. I, I'm about to ask my question right now. Okay. Um. I'm just making sure. Man. I know. I, I, I need your microphone. That's my phone. <laughs> oh no, you good? We good? Well, okay, <laughs> sir. Knowing that you are an Eagles fan, and GQ question goes to you too. With all the moves that you're making with the players you're getting now, do you see a second Super Bowl within the mist? I wouldn't be lying if I said yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna say yes anyway because I still think they they got a great shot. I mean, you forget that Carson Wentz, he is he was out for the last, you know, three games of the season and that in their Super Bowl run. But when he was playing, he was playing MVP football. He was the, the MVP of the league. Uh, you know, he had 33 touchdowns, only seven picks. They were 11-1 and one with him in the lineup. So can you only imagine if he's healthy, he comes back healthy, and he's still the same player that he was, and now they're making all these moves, getting Michael Bennett. Uh, that I think that's a, that's a big – that was a big key – um, they, you know, they just resigned Nigel Bradham. Uh, they definitely needed that in the linebacking core, um, and you know, they still got the offense intact. I can't, I don't see why not. They couldn't win the uh, at least go on another run and try to get to another Super Bowl. So yes, I think they can definitely. They're definitely the fav, one of the the top favorites to uh, going into next season. 
Yeah, I like the chances as well, man. Um, and to answer your question, DC man, I don't, I don't know if a repeats in the in the cards. I actually didn't see this one coming. And you you know that because I've been telling you that pretty much all season. I, I I saw this team was good, but it just until I saw what they did to Minnesota, I was still like this team is good and they're winning, but it's something missing, man. There's no reason we should be this in this type of a game against the Oakland Raiders, man. That should not be happening. We we everybody forgets now we had to sweat out against the Atlanta Falcons, man. But um. I'm here. I'm seeing things uh, on my end that Carson Wentz may not even be available to December. I think with the youth on this team, I think the way it's set up, I think the way Howard Roseman's been doing things, I think this team is set up to win for a while. I think um, I don't know about dynasty, I don't know about repeat, but I feel like this team could win a couple more um, throughout the course of maybe like a senior period. That's me. Okay. And from that, um, let me ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what this feels like to me. Uh, What's that? You remember that? You remember the year that they had they brought in Vince Young and Michael Vick and uh, I think it was who was it? Was it Namdi Asmoa? I think when they when uh, Vince Young made the statement that y'all was a dream team. Oh, jeez. I remember. I remember. I remember the dream team I remember the dream team thing. Uh oh. I don't see it as the same thing, really. I think. No, I don't see it as the same thing, really, man. Because I think. Um, I think, number one, I think the coach is a little bit different. I think uh, Andy Reid proved to us a long time ago what he was. I think Andy Reid was a regular season coach. I didn't think that we were a dream team because we had Vince Young in the backup. I didn't yep. think we was a dream team because we had some guys who were pretty much on their last hinges and things of this nature. But uh, the way this team is drafted, the way this team has stocked itself, uh, giving Roseman his position of power back, I just feel like they're finally starting to do what they're supposed to do to build a a football team and keep some consistency, man. I'm like, yes, this is what we have waited, like you said, quarter thirty years for. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, yeah, I think it's I think it's different too, definitely different from the dream team because I think when the dream team they got all those free agents as well. I mean, the Eagles did go out and got a lot of guys last season to make this run, but I think with the dream team, as you said, Vince Young was the quarterback. He, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's not Carson Wentz. Uh, Vince Young. Great college player, but career backup in the, you know in the NFL. So uh, this is a, this is definitely a little bit different than the dream team. But I can see you know if they say okay we're the dream team, but they're not making those statements either. Vince Young kind of opened his mouth too fast and they didn't prove anything. So the Eagles have proven you know we won the they won the Super Bowl. So uh, I think it's a little bit different. Plus I don't think they're. They're saying anything like, okay, this is going to be a dream. I just think they're set up for the, as you said, they're set up for the future with a lot of young talent, and they have a guy that's a legitimate MVP if he comes back healthy at the quarterback position uh, that can lead this team. I think that's another thing, too. I think with Carson Wentz and the way he's developed, I think think position for position this team is better. Like, again, I don't know what Vince Shaw was thinking. I don't think dream team means Jason Babin. Uh, but I think Dream Team could mean Michael Bennett and, and Derek Barnett. But um, position for position, I think this team is better. I look at Wentz, man, and I expected a jump. I didn't expect that type of jump in year two. Um, no, the man. thing about Wentz with me was the way he's performing in year two, he's got he's got less than 16 starts, man. <laughs> the way he's performing in year two, when you're Brady's, and these Drew Breeses and all these other guys get, kind of filter out and get out of the way, like, who's left? Like, this might be his lead to dominate for a while because once you figure out that quarterback position, where it looks like Philadelphia has, 
uh, God willing, um, he stays free from injury because um, I wrote an article um, about a month ago, and um, there's some there's some speculation he may have to wear a knee brace for the duration of his career. So, um, barring injury, I think he could play probably for the next 15 years and play at a high level. Let me ask you this. And you led um, me right into my question. Let me ask, go now, ahead, go as, ahead. Eagles, as Eagles fans, this is, this is the question that, you know, I know a lot of people are going to know, and I've heard it a lot. So, as Eagles fans, i got to ask both of y'all. Who the better fit, Nick Foles or Carson Wentz? Because we've seen what Nick Foles did in that playoff run. He was a big key to why y'all got there and why y'all was able to win it. So you tell me, who the better fit? I, I still think it's Carson Wentz. Um, and I love the Nick Foles. Um, you know, he comes back, was on the verge of retirement, comes back to Philly where he had his best success. Uh, when he when he had those twenty nine touchdowns, twenty nine touchdowns and uh, what two picks, something like that. it was twenty five touchdowns, two picks, something 20, like that. 20, that he did 27, back in twenty seven two, twenty seven and two, and back in twenty thirteen, yeah. um, you know, Pro Bowler. Uh, he, I think Car- uh, Nick Foles was in a great position because of Doug Peterson and his coaching and the talent around him. I still think Nick Foles is a system quarterback. I mean, as good as he did, he had that run. He played well in the second half of Atlanta, against Atlanta, played extremely well against Minnesota, and then capped it off with a great performance in the Super Bowl, which was a, you know, that's a two-and-a-half game run that he that he had. Um, and like I said, he's the MVP, MVP of the Super Bowl. Great, he was just in a great position, great team, great coaching. Carson Wentz is the more talented quarterback, and he is the future. So I, I, I love the luxury of having both quarterbacks um, on the roster. So I kind of hope we do keep Nick Foles. I mean, it's I the last card to have. Yeah, right. He earned his right that <laughs> if he wants to be traded and go somewhere else, I, I get it. But I think he has to be in a, in a great position uh, in a, with a great system. Uh, that builds around his skill set. But Wentz, we said he's the future. He's actually led us to that 11-1 record. What what would Nick Foles have done in those 16 games? Hard to say. He just got hot at the right time, and they won the Super Bowl. So, But, yeah, I think Wentz is still the better option um, than Nick Foles, especially in the in the future. Yeah, Wentz is that guy, man. But I, I think Foles was a part of that. Chip Kelly thing too. I think I still to this day think Chip Kelly was a double agent man. The only thing I can't explain was he actually did bring in a couple of key draft picks, being like Lane Johnson and your Nelson Aguilar's and your Zach Ertz's. He did bring those guys in, but there were times where I thought this dude was sent here to ruin this team, man. Like he shipped out Deshaun Jackson, he shipped out Jeremy Macklin. Uh, he's the reason Nick Foles is going. He traded Nick Foles for Sam Bradford. I'm like this dude is here to sabotage us, and he's doing it on purpose, man. <laughs> Listen, and you just and you just you just opened up my question, GQ. Chip Kelly mm-hmm. was it a blessing in disguise? Do you think, in a way, for Eagles? What? I guess. What, what, what's your opinion on that, Court? Yeah, Chip Kelly definitely was uh, was a well. I would I don't know about blessing the skies. I just it was close because maybe the Eagles need. I mean, when they got Chip Kelly, uh, the the buzz here again in Philly was. Oh man, we get a new coach. Finally got you know Andy Reid, fifteen years, um, had great success. Um, you know, five NFC Championship appearances, one Super Bowl appearance. Had Donald McNabb at the helm all those majority of those years. Then you had the Nick Foles and Michael Vick years, um, and then you get Chip Kelly, who you know fresh, 
from college, new system, you know, that fast break offense that he was running, and he tried to change the culture. So, But then it just it got played out, got stale. Then teams started to recognize, okay, what is, what is he doing? What is the tendencies? And what is, you know, what is he going to – how is he going to attack our defense? He caught everybody off by surprise that first season, which was very good, but then it bottomed out, and then Chip Kelly got – you know, power hungry. Want to make power moves? Try to get all his guys from Oregon, and it just didn't, <laughs> just didn't work out. It just, you know, but yeah, it might have been a bus in disguise. He gets kicked to the curb. We get Doug Peterson, who people were skeptical of him. I was one of the same ones that was very skeptical. I wasn't ready to, to to drop him after one season. I mean, he was seven and nine his first year, and I, I'm with you, GQ. I, I think that when the Eagles was playing their season. I remember I think we did our NFL uh, preview. I said the best case, right. 10 and 6, to show some improvement. Best case scenario, not this 13 and 3 and, you know, be a contender. I just said 10 and 6, but I, I thought it was going to be 9 and 7. So, it, yeah, Doug Peterson and, and Chip Kelly was a definitely a, a huge difference, especially put play calling. And Doug Peterson is, is a very good coach. He, he understands strengths, understands weaknesses of his team, got the pulse of his team. So, yeah, it probably was a blessing in disguise. Like I said, regardless of all the dumb stuff he did, man, you have to – you do have to admit that he, he did put a lot of core pieces in place. Nelson Aguilar didn't seem like it in the beginning, but he eventually got there. Um, you got to give him credit for Lane Johnson. You got to give him credit for Zach Ertz. Uh, Jordan Hicks, who knows how he's going to pan out. Um, it's a little injury prone. Dude can get actually get hurt putting his shoes on. But um, <laughs> we'll have to see where it goes, man. We'll have to see where it goes. From that, man, I got to get the vibe, though, because I'm pretty sure you made the parade. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, I did go to the parade, yep. Okay, so what's the parade like, man? Talk to, to somebody who should have been there and couldn't make it, man, just tell me what the parade is like. I know it was crazy. Yeah, yes, it was crazy, man. You're talking uh, – they, they said they said it was 2 million, but I think it was closer to 3 million people. Uh, it, it, was, it was crazy, man. I mean, this is the first parade I've ever witnessed with a team like this uh, live. Um, and, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking off work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here at the parade because I live only five minutes away from the stadium, from, you know, from the link. So mm-hmm. they started there. Uh, I didn't get a chance to get get there. It was just too chaotic because so many people that, you know, from the start. So I, we, I walked on to Broad Street. Me and my wife walked to Broad Street. It was cold. Got there. You know, we got there about an hour and a half early, so we was just vibing with all the Eagle fans, just chatting, chatting about the future, chatting about what what it's like, what the you know the Super Bowl was like, how they liked it. So it was it was just a good vibe, uh, just being around a bunch of Eagle fans. I mean, people were you you probably seen the pictures and the videos, people jumping on garbage trucks and, right. and climbing right. telephone poles. I mean, people were climbing telephone poles where they had to grease it with with cooking grease and they cooking oil, right. and people still was jumping on there. And it, it was it was it was crazy, man. It, it was it was just a good atmosphere, good vibe, good people. Uh, the ones I encountered were some good people. We saw the parade. It came down, cheered, and we went home and watched the rest on TV. <laughs> so it was it was a good time. Right. 2018 is coming, man. Um, the Eagles have the 32nd pick in the draft. Um, they don't have a second. They don't have a third. They've got two fourth-rounders. What should this team do at pick 32? Um, should they trade back? What's your opinion on what's needed for the future? What route should they go at 32 if they do make that selection? 
I think uh, with the 32 pick, I think they got to pick someone. Um, but it's, it, it, at that point, it's, it's best player available. But I think if we go by position of need, I'm looking at a linebacker. Uh, so we got we re-signed Nigel Brad, which I didn't think we were going to be able to do. We didn't have the cap space. Uh, we were over the cap, actually, but they made moves. Uh, I saw Benny Curry just got cut, uh, so that's that a million. Uh, but they did sign Nigel Bradham to a, a pretty decent deal, five years, $40 million. Um, he was a you know, key part of the, uh, of the defense, uh, once, especially with Jordan Hicks going down with that Achilles injury. So that's two big injuries for Jordan Hicks. So we don't even know if he's going to be available or how much availability he's going to have moving forward. He's a, such a talented linebacker, but we need that because we're paper thin at that position. So I say you get a linebacker, whoever the best linebacker is. So that's a that's a key need. So I'm, I'm looking at linebacker. Cool, cool. Um, one more thing too, man. Um, I got I got to ask about this. Okay, we, we're gonna move on to our Sixers here for a second. I'm gonna I'm I'm move you from the NFL. And I'm gonna take you to the NBA. LeBron James to the Philadelphia Seventy okay. Sixers. How ridiculous <laughs> or serious is this? Can this indeed happen? No. You don't think it's gonna happen? No. Um, <laughs> you know, I I would have said no maybe two three months ago, but it's a it's a possibility. I'll say that. The only reason why I say it's a possibility because. If LeBron, to me, if he is smart as we think he is, he stays in the East. He goes out west to Houston or to the Lakers, which I, I don't see the Lakers. I really don't. I, even if they bring Paul George, I don't see it. I just I know he's got houses there. You know, people love him in L.A. But if he goes to L.A., anywhere, Clippers, Lakers, wherever, Houston, um, anywhere in the West, it's still gonna be it's gonna be even more hard for him to get out of there. Why would you even risk that? Well, you can still play out East. Uh, you can come. You can go to Philly. Uh, you can. You know, they got a nice bright future. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. They brought. They're about to make the playoffs. Finally, uh, they might be a top. They're gonna be a six or seven seed somewhere in there, and they can build. LeBron signs for two years. It makes them an instant contender in the Eastern Conference. Because the only other teams I see mm-hmm. in the future against, you know, in the future would be the Celtics, or you know, you, you still, you know, Toronto right now is playing very well, but we know what happens when they get in the playoffs. Somehow, some way, they don't, they they can't find a way to get out of that. So LeBron should just stay in the East while he's playing in his last few season, few years of his career, and yeah, so I, I can I can see this, I can see six as a very strong possibility, or he stays in Cleveland. All right, keep the time, Bob. Well, Mr. Harden, <laughs> let me first say, great job as always, man. Um, I have been informed by the Storm Chasers and everybody who listens to this show religiously that Courtney Harden has never entered the gauntlet. That must change tonight. <laughs> 20 questions are lighting around the thunderstorm way. Cue the music. Let's go. All right, Courtney, my man. Yes, sir. Or chicken? Chicken. Pepsi, Coca-Cola. Pepsi, easily. (laughs) Chocolate cake or chocolate ice cream? Chocolate cake. Aside from her love for God, what's the most important quality in a woman for those who are not married and want to get married like yourself? Trust and communication. 
Gotcha. We jump in the ride with you right now. What you got playing in the tape, CD deck, or the MP3 player? Ooh, listening to uh, I'm in the lot of gospel rap, so Bizzle. Uh, That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, we going with Eric B and Rakim, or we going with the Notorious B.I.G. Ooh, that's a real good one. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, go with, let's go with Biggie because this was the, you know, the 20, think 21st year of his death. So let's go with Biggie. The greatest rapper of all time, died on March 9th. We're going to move Biggie to the next round. Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. East Coast. Yes, sir. All right. Jodeci, new edition. New edition. <laughs> Boys to men or guy? Boys to men, easily. Championship round, new edition of Boys to Men. Boys to Men. Prince or Michael Jackson? Uh, I gotta go with Mike today. <laughs> All right, we're going with Mike today. Mary J. Blige or Beyonce? What? MJB. All right, for those who listen to this song often, and I'm sure most of y'all that are tuned in do, Mary J. Blige is not ahead of Beyonce by 100, and Beyonce can never catch up. You got a time machine, man, and you got to go back in time. Would you change anything? Would you leave everything like it is? I'll leave everything like it is. Hungry, Hungry Hippos or Operation? Hungry, Hungry hippo. Over at Hippo, the PlayStation or the Xbox? PlayStation. Netflix or the Redbox? Netflix. Best vacation? We going to the mountains or we going to the beach? Got to go to beach. New York, LA? New York. All right, where we at? That's 18. This is question number 19 right here. As soon as y'all get to question number 19 to load. We are still waiting on question number 19. <laughs> Carson Wentz or Nick Foles? You, I think y'all did answer this. Yeah, Carson Wentz. All right, man. Definitely, we appreciate it. And question number 20 is a question for you to show your own shine, man. Uh, real deal. Tell us where it airs. Uh, give us your Twitter information. How do people stay in contact with you and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, uh, the real deal with Courtney Harden airs on Blog Talk Radio Saturdays, uh, at, usually at noon. Um, and uh, like I said, I have all the guests, a lot of great guests every week. Um, you can uh, check it out. Um, follow me on Twitter at Get the Real Deals the Show, or you can follow me on Twitter at Courtney one one zero nine seventy nine. Hit me up on Facebook, uh, Courtney Harden, or uh, Instagram as well. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Excellent job as always. Go ahead and pencil it in because I know you're a busy man. Next time we do an NFL preview show, you on it. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I'll be talking to you tomorrow. Same thing, man. You know, we're doing our Eagles talk, so definitely can't wait for tomorrow. So check out the show tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. All right. Appreciate it, man. Good job. Talk to you later. All right, man. Thanks a lot. That was fun. And believe it or not, uh, Trail, D.C., man, we're just getting started. One hour is officially gone in the storm. We got one hour remaining, man. We still got an old school bus to do. 
But uh, I'm about to get I'm about to get turned here in a second, man, because we got my man Anthony Andrews calling in. He got some new music. He want to talk to us about that, man. So those of y'all that just tuned in, Anthony Andrews is coming up. You were just listening to Courtney Harden. Right now we got the most requested song in the history of the storm, and people still want to hear it. KD7, my little brother, have faith. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Let's go. Let's go. Sometimes I wish I could fly. I'll try, I'll try, and I'll try, yeah. Until I get it right, even when it's hard. I'll try, cause I have faith, have faith in my God. Oh, 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 oh. Cause I have faith, have faith in my God Don't let them take your mind away Because there's something greater, greater along the way Life or death, which one do you claim? I claim neither, because this ain't no game My rhymes so violent, cause it's more violent Silence of silence causes most silence You provide an offense Now it's time for defense You'll have to fight this Even when it's hard, 
Cause I have faith, have faith in my God When you encourage yourself it can lead to a success. God wants you to be a successful business person. God wants you to be a successful child of God. God wants you to be a successful deacon. God wants you to be a successful pastor. God wants you to be a successful usher. God wants you to be a successful parent. God wants you to be a successful political leader. God wants you to be successful according to his standards. God wants our young people to not just go for C's. God wants our young people to be magna cum laude. God wants our young people to graduate at the the top. God wants our young people to go for the gusto. God wants our young people to quit thinking that you got to have your pants pulled down to the bottom of your behind and your hat turned around backward and a Mr. T starter kit around your neck and gold in your mouth and none in your pocket and your rims are spinning while your life is standing still. God! Boy, I dare you to touch as many people around you and say success, 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 success. You will survive. You're a survivor, and because you are a survivor, you got to learn how to encourage yourself and stop waiting on everybody else to pat you on the back. Stop waiting for everybody else to tell you to do the doggone thing. Stop waiting on everybody else to tell you it's your time. You got to learn how to encourage yourself. Quit waiting for other people to tell you you look good. Tell yourself that you look good. And if somebody tell you that you don't look good, tell them that's a matter of an opinion and your opinion don't matter. You waiting on somebody to take you out? Take your own self out. Go to the movies for yourself. Get you a hot dog and get you some nachos and get you some lemon heads and drink it all down with a Diet Coke. Hold yourself. Put your arm around yourself. Katie said, the faithful followers ministry, uh, ministry, excuse me, have faith and my dude, Kerwin Lee from Berean Christian Church. When we sit there and say that man drives to three services on three different campuses and preaches to every single one of them every single Sunday, that is not exaggeration. Shout out to Berean Christian Ministries. Shout out to FFM, my boy. Shout out to Rare Breed, Seven, all those dudes continuing to um, further the word and the gospel through hip-hop and in the Christian fashion. So, without further ado, one hour gone, 50 minutes remaining in the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to keep this brother on hold any longer. Welcome via the Thunderstorm Hotline, my brother, Anthony Andrews. What's going on, Double A? What is going on with you, man? It's been a while, right? It's been a long minute, man. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like we were just saying to Courtney, man. We uh, we we stay in contact as best we can, man. But sometimes I know we miss each other. Always supporting each other and what we're doing, even if it's just a text message, man. But um, welcome to the show, and I think this is number four for you, right? Yeah, yes, it is. I, I think you like me. It's safe to say you like me. You invited yeah. me four times. I, I love you, man. I got, I got to give it to you. <laughs> love you too, bro. Uh, for those who are uninitiated, go ahead and introduce yourself. Anthony Andrews, uh, who are you? Where are you from? What brought you to this Christian hip-hop thing in the first place? Uh, I'm Anthony Andrews, father of two. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, I got saved, I think, on accident. I mean, tell you the truth. Uh, I'll put it to you uh-huh. this way. God was calling me at 18, I think, 
I ain't going to give away my age too much, but he was calling me at 18, and I didn't answer right away. And then, of course, life circumstances happened, and basically I got sick of stupid is what I tell everybody. I got sick of being stupid and mm-hmm. finally just kind of decided to turn things around, and that's when I realized I was called to do this because it was like the day mm-hmm. I got saved was like the fire when the, the, the fire was set, and it was just like, oh, okay, now this all makes sense. You know what I mean? So I've just mm-hmm. been running with this 15 years now. I've been with walking with God. I think I think nine of them been real. You know what I mean? The, <laughs> the, word, first, word. the first couple of years, you'd be like, um, you you just try to do the you, – you do the church thing. I'm going to put it to you that way. And you're doing the church mm-hmm. thing, but then it's like the other side of life just don't look right. And right. I think finally it got it got to the point of, you know, you know, I got to really live this thing out. And it took, of course, me abandoning some people and habits and things like that. And then just when I got mm-hmm. away from everybody, that's like when the fight got real, like, you know, I turned away from everything that was supposed to keep me bound up. And once I started really living this out, that's when I like, oh, you mean I need to have a prayer life and I need to have accountability and you mean I need to have – you know, you can't just well, do church. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Church just yeah. don't by itself don't get it done. I mean, you could go. That's great. But then if you don't have a prayer life, what's the point? I don't know how you survive without one, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ain't kicking it with God yeah. on some level, I mean, instead of just sitting around being religious 24-7, I mean, you could do that, but it, it don't get you nowhere. You're stuck in the same place. It's like going somewhere and never changing your behavior or changing – your thought process and nothing about you changes, you know? So yeah, I mean, I got sick of stupid and here I am been rapping, I guess, quote unquote, professionally about five, six years now. I mean, um, I decided in, I think 2009 to do it because, you know, it's like at some point you got to quit just thinking, you know, this would be dope to do it. And God like, you know, at some point you got to do it. And when you do it, that's when I show up to the party too. And so then, mm-hmm. you know, I started and it's been, it's been a fight, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> I won't tell anybody it's been right. good and glory. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, you got to put a lot of work into it. Nothing really goes the way you plan it. You put a lot of money into it, but then that's the sacrifice behind it. And it comes down to how bad do you want it? And on what level are you willing to pursue the calling, the calling of God? Cause like it says, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, are you that chosen one that won't give up? Because being in this industry for about five years, I've seen a lot of start and a lot of quit. And I'm like, whoa, you know, it's it's a revolving door. Like the average Christian rapper may last a year. I mean, Mm -hmm. a year. And then you can look at the guys that's been doing this five, ten years, and the same guys that were lasting only a year looking up at them and got, they want to call them names. You know, they doing this, they doing yep. this, they shortcut this, they doing that. Last time I looked, you know, they still, from what I understand, still giving God glory. Um, yep. You know, everybody go through their walks. Everybody has their own history with God. Everybody does things. I don't know. I'm not in somebody else's life to prejudge them, to tell you the truth. But mm-hmm. real talk, yep. <laughs> a lot of cats don't last a year. You know what I mean? 
And if you go about two, three years, you got some pretty tough skin by that time because you made up you made up in your mind that you're going after this and you're going to go down and smoke and flames before you quit. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. yeah. Well, that, we, we've been doing this a long time, man. We've been doing this a long time. But this is one of the things I was uh, – uh, I was doing, man. You know, I got into it from the production side, and then um, I started rapping on some tracks because I had nobody else to rap on them. And then I decided mm-hmm. once I got a little bit older, man, that I was going to become the other statesman, and I was going to do stuff like the thunderstorm, and I was going to give the younger generation a chance to do things, man. And God asked me, why aren't you still making music? You know what I'm saying? I get this pair of little talents. Ooh. I gave you five talents. You're only using three of them. So <laughs> as you transition into uh, – one of the younger soldiers that gets a little bit older in this Christian hip hop, man, um, it's a little bit different from the industry. What the industry tells you, and the black community has this silly, this silly, this silly thought that once you become a certain age, you can't do hip hop anymore. Like you outgrow hip hop, man. But I see, I see the the Tina Turners and the Aretha Franklins and everybody saying today, sixty, seventy years old, man. What's been your experiences getting a little bit older in the Christian hip hop thing, and how have you been able to um, transition from the old Anthony Andrews and who you are and how's that reflecting the music? Man, I mean, to look back, I laugh looking back at myself and to listen to myself back then just because it was just, it was all excitement when you first started, especially when stuff starts happening. And then as you go through mm-hmm. the, I think I've been through two failed record deals, uh, been lied to countless of times, um, mm-hmm. like, you get to a high place, and all of a sudden you're like, man, God, I'm going to do it. You know, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden everything just falls through, and you're like, you're back on the ground floor again. And it's like I look back at all that and go, you you definitely, if you, the Bible says, therefore put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. He gave you armor because you're probably going to get hit. Now, remember, mm-hmm. are you wearing that armor? You you got to be wearing that armor. That's real. Because you're gonna get hit, and the higher you go in this, and you keep going, you just you just develop a mentality of I'm not gonna quit. And as I look at the younger generation, I go, man, I hope they really get it, or they get what they're getting themselves into. And then again, another thing I'm having, I won't even say it's a problem, but something I'm starting to catch on to is that you almost know what they're gonna say before they say it because they all sound the same. Now I'm not saying that. um, it's it's not it's not legitimate because somebody needs to hear what they're saying. Period. I mean, I don't knock mm-hmm. nobody when they ministering or doing anything because I won't say, oh, you know, that's not it's not whack. Blah blah blah. I just say they're probably not talking to me. They're probably talking to somebody else. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's just like yeah. I almost feel like I'm hearing the same stuff over. I'm like, this is so, kind of sounded like. I mean, the wording is different. There's like there's a a lack of creativity. Is what I would say. I mean, it's like we sticking to generalized standard songs. I mean, there's no. I, I'm not really experiencing any real depth. It's like they don't really dig deep. It's like they're right on the surface. They they they're um, in a sense. I, I understand you want to keep the crowd into it. That's part of it because you're on stage. But it's just like we're becoming that trending factor of just keeping people dancing. You know what I mean? And it's just mm-hmm. like, right. I haven't really heard a message message, you know. And then, again, it could be just me and my older age going, okay, I'm expecting something a little different. 
You know what I mean? Right. But my transition was just you going through the motions, and then there's seasons where you look back and, um, you know, stuff could have stalled out for you. And in those stalling moments, what do you do? You know, do you keep going and do you give up? And I've seen so many give up. And it's just been like the standing example for me of not to quit or, you know, really turn back to God at that time and go, okay, reevaluate why we're really doing this. You know what I mean? So looking at them, I don't knock it because they need to speak to the youth. And it's better the youth, I guess, to dance to that than to dance to something else. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of where I am with it. Right. Yeah, I got two of my my little brothers on here with me, man. I got DC and I got my man uh, Trail on here with me, man. Um, they need to holler at you too. All right, what's up, Trail? Um, you want to go first? Me, or me? Yeah, I go first. I go first. For me, this All is right. my question. I hear you talk about, uh, you know, the the younger generation and how they, you know, basically how they move. So as you advance in your music. What has been, how has your message changed? Like, I know when you first started, you know, you had this particular message. And how has it changed as you've grown in this business and, you know, you start to see more things than what you possibly thought you would see? How has it changed? Yeah, how has it changed from when you started till now? Okay, what happened is, is that I began to engage God more, if that makes sense. I mean, he says, in my presence, there is fullness of joy. You can actually develop a history with God in the process of going through Christian hip-hop or whatever you're doing. And then in that process, I went from writing songs to I got a song called Here I Come with K-Drama. Standardized, general, standardized song, you know what I mean? And then I got one called, I just did it, it's not released yet, it's called Face of the Deep. And if you remember how in the Bible in the beginning where God hovered over the waters, In the song, I'm the water, and God is hovering over me, and I'm rapping from the standpoint of the water and how God's reflection is over me. Now, there is no way I could come up with stuff like that on my own. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. just through that process and my experience with God, that's how the song started changing. I got a song called Come Down where I'm the ground and God is the rain, and it comes from Isaiah 55. As the rain and the snow comes down from heaven to water the earth, Where is man made from? Earth. Where does provision come Mm -hmm. from? Heaven. And that's how I wrote that song. Mm -hmm. So when this stuff started coming to me, it was just, it started blowing my mind. And I'm like, whoa. So there's more to this than just conjuring up a song from somewhere. We can actually get into the presence of God and come out with something heavy, something that's going to really impact people's minds, lives. We can minister that encounter to God to people. You know what I mean? That's how the song started changing. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, I have a, I have a question too. Um, I know you. I know you had talked about the younger crowd, and mm-hmm. you know with today's music, everybody sounds the same, like you said. How do you go about telling the guys that's nineteen and up, guys around my age, it's okay to be different? It's okay to talk about God because you know they they don't want to do that and be consider always this or bougie or whatever? How do you tell them it's okay to be different? Okay, I guess 
established, do they have a relationship with Jesus first? And then kind of you go from there. You know, where's where's that where's that relationship level at? Because I can't I got a, a lot of younger brothers or that I know that want to do music and the first thing I check is that walk. Are you actually going to give people substance out of that walk? And I understand you want to do music. If you want to do music, do something kind of positive first until you find yourself walking into it. Because I can't dictate the flow of the message God is going to give you. The only thing I can get people to do is to really engage that relationship, really talk to God, really have a prayer life. Because I can tell you like this, my life began to change when I started being real with God about stuff that was really going on in my life that stuff that you want to keep in a closet and mm-hmm. how your prayer life may start about, Ooh, Lord, I know I ain't supposed to. And then you shift and you change and you go to, okay, God, this is what's really going on. And this is where my life is, is, is turning to. How do I fix that? When I started doing that, my life really started changing. You know what I mean? So I check people's really, do you have that authentic relationship with them? And I tell people, in this industry, if you're going to do music, you cannot care what people think, period. You got to go for it. You got to lay down. Word. You just got to do it. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't. Uh, I'm a witness to that. You can't, I mean, you can't entertain negative dialogue in any way, shape, form, or fashion because the first thing people are going to sell you is, is a bad horror story or bad experience or something that happened to them. And you cannot dictate mm-hmm. the conclusion of where you're going based on their experience. You just got to go. God called me to do this and have some faith with it. And like the Bible says, it is impossible to please him without it. So at some point, you go, you got to look up and say, you called me to do this. You know what I mean? And just go for it. Right. And to coach, you know, those guys, I often go, do you really want to be a Christian rapper? Or do you just want to do music? You know what I mean? Ask that question first. Because, I mean... Honestly, like I just was talking to uh, GQ moments ago, you got to have tough skin. And when you go and get tough, because trust me, when you really get into it, people got their ears to your music, their eyes are squinting, and they're looking for the first fumble up that you're going to say, and they're going to throw it back at your face. And then they're ready mm-hmm. to start a Bible fight with you. I mean, are you ready right. for that? <laughs> That's just real. Right. I mean, you, you really got you, you really to ask yourself these questions because – as you go, this stuff is just going to come at you. Trust me, it's more beef in this industry than it is secular hip-hop. I've seen more fights in this mug than anything. I, I look at it sideways like, really? I thought we was on the wow. same team. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so hopefully I that, thought the dude was all the time, man. Questions. Yeah, I thought the dude was all the time, man, and I'm hearing a lot of the same thing too, man. And I, I'm a, I'm a witness to that myself, man. I was like... Yo, I thought we gave it the second stuff and came over here. This was supposed to be easy, baby. I ain't never caught no hell since I started doing this. Man. I right, look at man. Man, who you? The man on fire. Oh, go. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, you straight. I'm, no, you good. I was, uh, I was going to say go ahead. That's all. My bad. I'm interrupting. My bad. The man. No, you good. You good. You good. The man on fire joint, man. Now, we got to talk about that. Man on fire was a monster. That became, um, that became like a tape for me to do like homework, study, exercise. That became a that became a joint for me to do all kinds of stuff with, man. Um, so you got this man, man sitting here in the studio. I don't think you realize how much of your stuff I got loaded in the dashboard, but 
I'm trying oh. to listen to what you're saying, trying to figure out which direction we're going to go in musically, man. So I narrowed it down to Can You Feel Me Thirsty. I narrowed it down to Paradise, man. Um, I got to play one of these records, man. So I'm going to let you pick which one it's going to be. Um, yeah, let's start off with Thirsty. Let's go, okay, let's go Thirsty. Um, and let me ask you this, man. Uh, very, very powerful, impactful, very well thought out lyrically. Uh, being a lyricist myself, I appreciate that. What was the thought process behind Thirsty? And I'm going to let you introduce it and we're going to get into it. All right. The thought process was, um, you know how people say you, you um, God is the water in this song. I'll put it to you this way. And then as if you think about in terms of salvation, we're all trying to bring people to the water, right? But then right. we look up and we don't even spend time there ourselves. It's mm-hmm. like you can hear about the water, but then once you actually first taste the water, it's just, it, it, it blows your mind. And then you go off trying to bring people back to the water and you spend more time away. But then you're reminding yourself of that thirst that you had, and then you got to have it. So you just go back for more. Gotcha. You heard yourself. You tune in late. You've been listening to Anthony Andrews. This is Thursday. You listen to the Thunderstorm. We'll be right back. You are now listening to The Encounter. You all understand that God is like the flowing stream that we must go to and drink from. You do realize that some people don't sometimes leave. And then a lot of the times, they figure out they have hey. this addiction. <laughs> and then they go back. And they got to have more. I was dehydrated. Finally made it to the river. Spirit so thirsty, my soul started to shiver. Out of desperation, no hesitation. Engage in the saturation. The quenching drop within me was my only destination. Mesmerized by the currents, I nourished my dry throat. The sight of waters, victories don't raise hands is my approach. What provoked this dry season got me needing an IV. To my surprise, it's got inside. Still, wants to fight me. And needed living streams like submarines. I go deep. See my reflection on the surface, but I need what's underneath. Reaching for the new depths. I want to connect with your currents. A tree by the river, so these waters have purpose. The earth does not exist in route. Heaven saturation. I listen to your pulse, so now I'm a man of faith. I take to eternal life. These waters are calling me. I gotta have more, Lord knows. I need to be refreshed. I shouldn't have left in the first place. I've grown in a ditch, even after the first day. I'll be the first to say, every day I have this thirst. Please, I have this need to deeper than going to church. When verses memorize, they still think it's in the sky.
Dope stuff, dope stuff. That's uh, Third Seed by Anthony Andrews. You're back on the storm, man. Um, and crazy, crazy situation, man. So I'm talking to a friend of mine in um, in the Christian music genre, and she wouldn't mind me saying this, so I, I have no qualms about saying this or telling this story or anything. So we're talking, and there's a situation where, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Tasha Cobb is moving to Greenville, South Carolina, just bought a house down there. It's going to be like the praise and worship director, if I'm not mistaken, of Redemption uh, Christian Center down there. So there was, mm-hmm. there, there was a celebration for her. There's this situation with this Christian vocalist that I know, and she's like, do I go to Atlanta and um, do this concert? Do I go to Greenville? Do I do this concert with Tasha Cobbs? Um, I'm supposed to have my own thing um, the next day after. I don't know how physically I'm going to be able to do all this. Um, I'm just going back and forth in my mind, GQ, about which one of these options I should go with. And I'm like, did you pray about it? She's like, no. Like, um, really what we do is ministry. That's really, like, the first thing you should be doing, like, don't go where you want to go. Take, when, when it gets to those situations, that's when you're really supposed to fall on your face and figure out what direction you're supposed to be going in, man. Um, T-Bone, very well-known Christian artist. Um, T-Bone is, um, from what I'm understanding, has some new music coming. And as much as I admire this brother as a lyricist, as much as I admire this man as a man of God, there have been times when T-Bone has ventured into the realm of he basically has a song where he's telling a story, mentioning the names of a bunch of other Christian artists. And while that was clever, I didn't see a lot of word behind that. Where's the Where's the line between creativity to where we can be Christian artists who can still talk about something else to have a little fun with the music? Or as some of what you were kind of mentioning made me think, are we getting to a point where we're like too many of us are making hip-hop and there ain't enough word in it. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, you could go back and listen to, like, I'm going to mention names, but some of the higher-ups or some of the A-list artists, if you go back and listen to some of their first albums, you can hear, like, some real depth into it. And then you go now, and you go, wow, it's like you can hear the change. They've grown and mature, but then it's just like, I think at that level, so much pressure, and then it could be, Mm-hmm. The people around them, you know what I mean? And so they mm-hmm. felt the need to create these songs. And that's why I'm like, that presence of God that I talk about so strongly is why you need to stay there. If you, I mean, this is why. This is That's where your creativity comes from. You know what I mean? This is why I, I stress this point so much, that relational factor. God is somebody somebody you can spend time with for real. God is somebody that can mm-hmm. actually, the Holy Spirit can actually show up and write these songs for you. You know what I mean? And I think they kind of venture off away from that, or they just don't spend as much time there. You know what I mean? And I was like, do they, I don't know if they're just like doing stuff, because I've been around, and it was just like, I watched them spend more time doing stuff and not because I've been mm-hmm. in concerts or I've been in places and I leave for about an hour to go pray and go talk to God. And I come back and be like, yo, where you been? I'm like, go talk to God, man. We got these people here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, how do you do this stuff without him? I don't know. I mean, right. it just blows my mind sometimes. And T-Bone, that the song you're talking about is like really old, I think. And yeah. it could have just been a single. And 
I can remember somebody put it to me this way. They were like, you don't want to go too deep because people don't want depth. They just want stuff on the surface. And I think at that mm-hmm. time he had just landed. He had his own label, but I think he, he had, he had made a major label backing at the time. And I think mm-hmm. what happened was they, they, had, they said you got to give people something on the surface, something that can actually sing to, something that blah, blah, blah. I've heard this more than once. And I'm thinking that's what happened at that point. He really didn't have a huge choice, kind of went with the majority and said, okay, I'm going to do it. And, okay, gotcha. you know, that happens. I get that. You know what I mean? But, yeah, um, yeah just that connection, man, period. That's all I got to say. Gotcha. Yes. Sir. All right. So, um, the Man on Fire project was was amazing. Um, you got a new mixtape coming. Um, kind of explain, you know, how Christ was leading you into making this new music and uh, how people can go about, um, you know, walking this walk with you and getting some of your stuff so they can keep up with that with Anthony, with what Anthony Andrews is doing. Oh, how did I make the music? Basically, you are getting almost until my personal history with God, in a sense. Now, in a mm-hmm. lot of those songs, I barely speak from a first-person standpoint, which the song Thirsty that you heard, um, that's like the first, one of the only other songs, I think there may be three or four, where I actually spoke from the standpoint of being myself. But, uh, and I'm going to give away one of my secrets here, but something my mentor told me, he said, when you're writing songs, you have to become a character in a song. In other words, become something other than yourself. And like you hear, I got a song with uh, K-Drama's wife called Beautiful Work of Art where I rap creation from start to finish as if God drew it with his bare hand. That's why it's called uh, mm-hmm. Beautiful Work of Art. And um, like the song, Can You Feel Me? I was praying to God one day, like we were talking about music, say, man, what if music could talk actually with words? How would it describe itself? And God said he'd probably say something like this. And I rap as if music was talking to you or ministering to you. I wrote a song called The Blessing. I had a vision about this tidal wave. And um, standing on this beach and this tidal wave was coming at me. And I was like, God, what's that? He said, that's what, I'm a blessing. that's what my blessing looks like. He said, religion has turned it into a drop. But actually, my blessing looks like, in, it, it looks like a tidal wave. And I rap from the standpoint of being a wave in a song. You know what I mean? So when we, mm-hmm. were, we were talking about being different in hip-hop, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Be different. Come from somewhere else. And when I first got into this, hip-hop altogether, Christian hip-hop, I said I want to be different. And all of a sudden I bumped into different. So the encounter is mm-hmm. – me ministering the experience of God back to people in words or pictures. I try to draw a picture, you know, for people. As I'm rapping, you can actually kind of see what's happening. And that's where I want mm-hmm. to at least minister that to the conscience of people. You know, so that's how the encounter kind of took place. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, good stuff, man. You mentioned the... um. You mentioned the, uh, let me see here, Can You Feel Me record. I heard you talking about that, man. I want to play that joint, and then we're going to be right back with you, man. We're coming up on about 20 minutes left in the show. Anthony Andrews is the guest. If you tune in late, you're listening to the storm. Keep it No, I was kicking it with God one day. We were talking about music, you know, because I generally have this love for it. And without him, it probably wouldn't exist. And I'm going, yo, 
What if music and talk, you know, like with words, what would it say to the rest of the world? How would he verbalize his opinion, his thoughts about who he is, his identity? And God said, he'd probably say something like, When I say hello, I echo through your speaker. Put me on repeat when you want me to go deeper in your subconscious. Logic's beyond the surface, now your conscience. Finally, has a purpose. I introduced myself when you felt me, you felt me. After a long day, you desperate by that sound of relief. That creative flow that flows from your inner being. I have notes you can read. I am able to be seen. I start off as a trend. In the end, I will innovate. I even make you dead. Allow me to demonstrate. I get a chance. I freelance with different instruments. Hold your eyes. Me and your eardrums are getting intimate. By any means, I interview with your intellect. You could buy relaxation. Negative thoughts look suspect. No dollar about that. You can count the change around of what I'm about. Depending on the frequency, I can make you scream and shout. Can you feel me? Can you feel me? Can you feel me? Dark influence before you catch that felony. I command attention, people listen when I'm deep. Me combined with vocals make that MC sound unique. Wells can be created with dedicated to mastery. You can dislike the vocalist, but never be mad at me. Turn me up with your window down when you're body Beat the sound. In a concert or move the crowd. In church service, you hit the ground. Like OMG when I come on. Hit the dance floor, let's get it on. Girls be like, that's my song. Lionel Richie all night long. Build a groove. Here I go as I flow through the atmosphere. I enter the room and change your mood. People like I'm glad you're here. When the two step hit you, tell them the groove sent you. You cannot stay still. Once the music hit you, you're going to acknowledge me whether you like it or not. I was here before you were born and I will never stop. Can you feel me? 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 We faded out, man. We are taking uh, joints right off the mixtape, yeah, man. So uh, this is real bit. It's, it's, it's been fun, and uh, you did a good job of chopping this stuff up too, man. <laughs> you did a good job of chopping this stuff up. You know, this has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, man. But the Bud Light <laughs> Billy Billy commercials, man. <laughs> <laughs> Them things crack me up, dude. They got like a joust going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me why, man. But when they when they get ready to go to war, he's like, "Yo, the the arrows with fire probably don't hurt more than the other ones." But they got good light for Billy Billy. Oh man! Oh man! Man! Oh man! Man! That was my man. My man, Trailer told you, man. <laughs> go ahead, Trailer. Go ahead, Trailer. I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. All right. Um. So this is this will probably be a question that I would ask any artist, but let's say you have a performance and I come to your performance. What would be the message that you want me personally to walk out with? What do you want your audience of every show that you may do or you may have? What What is the message that you want them to leave with? Uh, 
I don't know. The message could change based on the direction God wants to go in. I mean, I generally I'm with the Holy Spirit days in advance, kind of going over, okay, what songs are we doing? What are we doing? Are we just going, you know, having fun? Is there a deeper concept that we need to give people? Um, so that's kind of what I go. I kind of, you know, I want people to get something. It's like, I don't want just one standard generalized thing. I just, okay, like I did the song Beautiful Work of Art somewhere, and I bumped it to the person later, and they said, I listened to that song, went home, and painted a new painting. And I was just like, oh, wow, you know, something like that. That's kind of what I want people to get. I want to give, you know, some different insight on something somewhere, just like somebody heard one of my songs, went home, and wrote a song. You know, I want to inspire creativity. I want to inspire creation. I mean, because just like we came from the creator, we also have the hands to create ourselves. And to inspire that enlightenment in people is kind of what I want I want to give people. I want to give people life in a sense, you know, some kind of inspiration to do, you know, a God-given talent. I mean, even if it isn't God-given, um, or and I won't say if it, if it isn't God-given, or just inspire your talent just because, <clears throat> Um, God gives people talent, saved or not. I mean, you could look at, you know, okay, secular artists, for example, that are talented. That gift gave from God, whether they're going to give him glory or not, you know, that's where that came from. So I want to inspire something in someone somewhere. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing half the time. I just pick the songs and go from there. (laughs) All right. That's all right, and my question is, um, you know, today you see a lot of crossover in the music. Um, could you see yourself doing a, a gospel song with, I would say, today's modern rappers, but like a rapper that actually has some sense? And if you do, who would that be? You know what? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Hey, GQ, you heard about Tech Nine, right? And Tech yeah, Nine yeah. actually likes likes Christian rappers and I won't get into names, but he actually wanted to do a song with a particular one. And I guess they came back and told him, no, I mean, he's really into Christian rappers. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't say anybody in particular, I had to do a song with, I, if you could get me in the room because our, our assignment in a sense is to infiltrate as much darkness as possible because we're assigned as light. Exactly. So if we can get in the room with them, I mean, that's a start, regardless of, you know, of course, you know, Christians are going to trip anyway. I mean, <laughs> are you ready for that? Um, but, I mean, regardless of, of if they got sick or not, because the way the church looks at it or the way Christianity looks at any secular artist who doesn't say Jesus in a song is, quote, unquote, a bad guy anyway. So if you go do a song mm-hmm. with, who got who got sense? Chance the rapper, maybe I don't know. I I really don't listen to nobody, but um, okay, let's say he got sense. You go do a song with him. Somebody gonna have something to say about it anyway. I mean, just like right. okay, Lecrae, he crossed over. He went and gave his speech. Then Chance the rapper go up, gives his speech, and then Christian tr- criticizing because Lecrae didn't say Jesus once in the speech, but Chance the rapper said it six times or something like that. So I mean, mm-hmm. dang if he do and dang if he don't in a sense. I mean, I I had my opportunity to do a song with a secular artist, and I agreed to it. And 
he was like, yeah, you said just pay me 100 for the feature. I was like, cool, I could do that. Pay him 100 he ran off with the money. I'm like, okay, I'm done wow. with that. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've had my taste of trying to work with one. This time they got to pay me in order to do it. <laughs> That's just why I'm not. Yeah. You know, because if they pay me, I'm going to do it. But if I pay them, they probably right. going to run off. And they probably got money. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't – I mean, pick, you know, it's real, but pick or choose, you know what I mean? Just because, I mean, it really doesn't make a difference who you do the song with in Christian hip-hop. If he's not a Christian, I'm going to be real with you. They're going to be – you messed up. They're going to be like, oh, he's trying to get in good yeah. with them. <laughs> that's the first thing that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Right. This is what's crazy too, man. Um, and this is where – this is where my walk with you kind of like takes some cohesion and where I fall off with some other dudes, man. Like um, we, we've been talking about music and being Christian or Christian music in general and everything, man. And uh, to be honest with you, man, a lot of these people get into Christian music because they couldn't make it in the secular realm. And they're like, well, I just go sing for Jesus now. And Bruh. the thing that I see about you, man, is when I see you talk, I, I always we get the ministry, man. It's not just music with you; it's actually ministry. We don't see ourselves as musician, man. We see ourselves as pastors. The only reason we started rapping in the first place is because we should have been preaching, and this gave us another way to say <laughs> it, so it was more comfortable to us. But to your right. point, man, like we weren't put in the Christian environment to grow up hip hop, to leave hip hop just because we came into the kingdom, man. Now our job is to go to people who are like us people who come from the same circles we come to and talk to them because we can talk to people that TDJs can't talk to. TDJs can talk mm-hmm. to people we can't talk to. That's why you got the body, man. The feet was never supposed to do what elbows did, shoulders can't do what hands do. So right. you affect what you affect there, but I always see you, man, and we say performance sometimes because we start thinking industry, man, but it's not performance, man. It's 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 platform and it's ministry with us, man. And I've always seen you, and that's why what you do works and where other people, while you see these other rappers go for a year or so when they fall off. It's because mm-hmm. they never got into it for the right reasons, man. And God said that if you take care of my business, I'll make sure yours is taken care of, man. So, and, man, you're supposed to win, man, because your message was always right. It came from the right spot, so on and so forth, man. But, I think as Christian individuals, man, we got to pray for brothers like Lecrae because the difference between him and us is he's one of the guys that have the national platform. So they just, like you said, just waiting on anything that he might do wrong. And the difference between him and us is we're watching all his mistakes on TV. I continue to pray for that brother. I continue to try to be an encouragement to that brother from a distance because the only connection we got to him is the the Holy Spirit, man. So um, I just thought I would throw that out there. Yeah, really quick, man, you hit on something that just, it kind of perked me up in this. I was just thinking about this last week, and then I was thinking about it because we talked about it the last time we was on the show. You said there's, there's people come to this industry because they couldn't make it as a secular rapper. Now, there's a group, and I don't say names, but there's a group. Um, if you look at them, if you know anything about them, they were all once secular rappers. And they all, for some reason, didn't make it. And then they come over yeah. here. And I go, yeah, yeah. I go, <laughs> yeah. I go, I go, huh. And I've been paying attention to certain videos, and the message is dope. I won't say it as it, but then I look at the image, and this is what I tell people. Sometimes you got to pay attention to the image of what you watch. 
and you go, mm-hmm. am I watching something else that someone else would have done, a secular rapper? Are we? Pre- it's like mm-hmm. the same presentation because presentation is everything. And you could say one thing, let's say you could be a Christian rapper, but then if it's naked girls in the background, you lose sight on the message. You paying attention to the image. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The image has got you. So right. I, I look at the image and I go, huh, okay. And I listen, I sit back, and it's just like they're all in a group together. Now, I try not to judge it, but then it's just like I sit back and go, huh, that's funny. And I just go, okay, and I keep mm-hmm. going. I keep it moving. And then it's just like, right. I don't know if they're straying away from it because it, they are created their own category. And I wonder if they're going to kind of be blocked off at some point too. That, okay, we're no mm-hmm. longer Christian rappers. We're just, we're, we're truth music. And draw, draw yeah. the line between. You know what I mean? And you go, huh, Yeah. that's funny. And I just watch stuff. I don't yeah. say anything. But when you brought it up, I just like, huh. And you know what? I listen to the music. I like the message. Just because, okay, I never was a thug. And I can remember growing up, I wanted to be one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I actually wanted to be a thug. You can tell and the you difference, know what man. You can. Yeah. But you, you know, you know what's funny, though? You know what's funny, mm-hmm. though, that uh, uh, somebody being a thug or wanting to be a thug ain't nothing but the warrior nature trying to come out of. And they just don't know how to display yeah. it. But, um, right. yeah, I was just like, huh, okay. But, like, you, you're right, though. You can tell the difference. <laughs> you can tell the difference. And so. it's, I just thought that and was And it happens the other way, too, because, like, you, you got Michelle from, um, from Destiny's Child, man. She, she comes over and she does Christian music, and that's where she's supposed to be, man, because she never looked comfortable when she was doing the Destiny's Child thing. <laughs> she, I mean, she's falling down on stage. She doesn't, she, she's not feeling the outfits they got on and stuff. You can always tell the difference, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, man, we get hilarious to me. So it's a paying industry. This industry pays now. I mean, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But you hit on something. I'm just, I'm sorry. I had to speak on it. But you gotta you gotta be you gotta be real careful though, man. You gotta stay the course like you've been saying, man, too, because we we talk to people who are saved and we talk to people who are Christian, and we've done it both, and I've seen both sides of it. I've been told. I've been offered secular deals to this day, and they're like, you know, if you stop talking about God as much, we can go ahead and do this, and then we'll try to introduce that later. I'm like, I don't even know how to rap the other way no more. And um, it's just something to keep in mind because we can all we can all get into modes, man, where, like, you talk to a Verity Records, for instance, and this is the same thing, man. You need 10,000 followers on this, and you need this, this, and this. we got to make sure we keep it as much ministry as possible because it's so easy because we've been in this business for so long. That you can just drift into the business side of it, man. And so we got like seven minutes yeah. left in the show, man. We got seven minutes left in the show. So, uh, oh man, okay. let me first say thank you to let me first say thank you to Courtney Harden. Let me say thank you to my man Anthony Andrews here, man. My man Trail, excellent job, bro. You got to make sure you come back with us. Uh, excellent job, DC. You know, appreciate you. both of y'all, brothers, man. But uh. We didn't make it to the old school bus tonight, but I do have to say the old school bus winner of the challenge last week was the Winans, so they move on. They're the champs. Uh, we don't have time to play a challenger tonight, but we will play the champion for you. Um, but any shout-outs or anything before we let you go? Yep, yeah, shout-out to uh, DJ I Rock Jesus. He was the one that hosted the mixtape. Big shout-out to him. Um, shout-out to... 
Kalamazoo, Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Love you. Mwah. Speaking of DJ I Rock, speaking of 30,000 followers on Twitter, <laughs> you know, shout out to DJ I Rock, man. We love you to death. So, most death, man. So, thank you, fellas. Um, we got to crank up the old school bus, and we're going to ride out on that, man. Um, next thunderstorm will be God will tell us, and then we'll let you guys know. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Crank up the old school bus. We go out with the champions on the old school bus, and then we'll catch you guys next time. Shout out to my people. Go about go. Hey, what's happening, man? Hey, hey, what's up, man? I'm so glad to be back. It's good to have you back. I can't believe I'm with the wine. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Somebody that's with all of us. He that hath friends must. First show himself friendly. Right. Well, I... I know by being in this place that there's a whole lot of people that want to know who this friend is. Why don't you tell them about it, Well, there is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. I got, I got a lot of brothers, right? Yeah. You know who that friend is.